Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day, right? And foster moms, we have foster moms in our congregation, stepmoms, adopted mom, people that have just found themselves in mom situations. This day is to celebrate you. Even I'm thinking of, of women who just mentor as a mother and maybe you're almost the same age. This day is to congratulate you, to celebrate you. And there is something that we can learn about the love a mother has as we look at the love of God. So today we're going to look at the Lord providing for his people. We are in a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, and we've talked about God as our Father, his name is holy. Last week, John James uh, preached a sermon on the kingdom, and this week is going to be about the daily bread that we pray for, provision. And I think about the love of a mother, a love of a mother has a lot to do with provision and caring. And so today we are going to look at this wonderful passage where Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread. Ask the Lord for our daily bread. So moms and women in here, if a kid afterwards, so our kids are downstairs learning about the Bible, memorizing scripture, and they always make a craft. Today, a craft is for all the moms. And so as you leave, even if you're not a mom, you might get something and you're like, I'm not a mom. I'm definitely not your mom, you little punk. Just receive it. Even if you're a guy and some little kid gives you with a smile something receive it as you would receive the love of the Lord. Sound good? That's the, so we do it. So kids are making something for you this morning downstairs. So just a little warning for you as you leave. You'll get something real fun to take home. Uh, I've seen it. It's pretty cool. It's a little flower thing. So anyways, uh, oh, it's the sh- oh, it's, not, it's nothing. It's, it's not. It's, it's just a beautiful thing to surprise you. Uh, what else would it be? <laughs> anyways, I'm cracking myself up. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer today. We've talked about our Father. We spent two weeks on that. Brett and I each took a Sunday. Uh, His name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then today is the daily bread. So would you stand with me? We're going to read the preface in Luke chapter 11. And then we will together read and pray the Lord's Prayer. So it says this, on the day Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, let's pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we continue this prayer. And and Lord, we say thank you for teaching us how to pray. Today, thank you for, for teaching us to ask for provision, daily bread. And Lord, we pray over mothers in the room, Lord, your blessing. Lord, bless them and keep them in your name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted. Amen. Wow, amen. Okay, you may be seated. I have for you, guess how many points? Three points. I'm not going to mess this. This is Mother's Day. It would be un-American of me to preach any more, any less than a three-point sermon. So I have a three-point sermon. It's very Trinitarian to have a three points in a sermon. The first point is this. We'll get right into it, talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer and the daily bread that God 
is the provider of our daily bread. God is the provider of our daily bread. The first point here, one more time. God is the provider of our daily bread. We get to, be, Jesus tells us that when you pray, ask for the Lord's provision. Ask for something. And we ask many of our prayers, if, you're, if we're honest. If I was honest, I'd say a lot of my prayer is asking the Lord for something. Sometimes that falls into the category. I kind of realized in hindsight that it's gimme, gimme, gimme. I need this. And I, it's just something I want. But Lord, give, gimme, gimme, gimme. And the Lord gives us an example of what he wants us to ask for. And it's daily bread. It's an interesting thing to ask for, right? What is this daily bread? What kind of bread is daily bread? Is it pumpkin? Is it pumpernickel? Is it wheat? Is it white? Is it French? Is it Panera? Is it flatbread? What kind of bread is this? Well, it's, I I, want to say, maybe it's sugar-free bread. Maybe it's uh, gluten-free bread. Maybe it's, I'm just kidding. Some of you, lighten up, we're just kidding. Uh, Bread is kind of seen in this day and age as something that's like not good, right? Like there's all these diets, the keto diet, the paleo diet, Adkins diet are all low carb diets because we live in a world that we have lots of calories on hand. And some of us uh, are trying to avoid those calories and bread is a very calorie dense food and you can eat a lot of it. So sometimes I think in our world, bread is seen as a bad thing, right? And it's like, oh, avoid the carbs. And yet in the ancient world, it was seen as like the most wonderful food you can have on hand, high in calories and very nutritious and healthy for you. I have, uh, could you throw me like the football, the, the French loaf of bread? Sweet. So I have a, a, a bread here. This is a French bread. We get uh, a loaf of French bread. We get our food. We have four little boys, so we get our food delivered to our house. It's the most wonderful thing. Anybody else want to confess to this? God, okay. We, we do the Walmart click thing, and then it just gets delivered. And if you ask me or my kids, like, where does bread come from? They would probably just say, the internet. Mom goes on. She clicks things. <laughs> And then it just shows up at our door. It's a wonderful thing. We pay whatever fee they have for delivering it because we have four kids and we don't want to go into a grocery store with four kids grabbing. It would cost us more. They would be adding things to our cart. We'd get home. It was like, oh, we paid for all this extra stuff. It's saving us money. That's how I rationalize it. So food comes from the internet in plastic. That's where food comes. I'm sure my kids are like thinking about where does food come from? This is what they think about food in plastic getting delivered to our house. But really in the ancient world, people were much more connected to where food came from. And maybe you're in here and you're a farmer and, or maybe you bake your own bread. Good for you. That's great. I still think food just comes from the internet and it gets delivered. But anyways, in the ancient world, you had wheat plants growing. You would take the seeds off. You would shuck the seeds from the chaff and you would separate. Then you would have wheat seeds that can be good for years and years and years and years. A very great source of food that can last a very long time. And when you were ready, you would grind the seeds down. It would become flour. You'd mix it with water, maybe some oil. There's this process of letting it rise and then you would cook it and you would eat it. And it was the source of life in the ancient world. It was the daily bread people had. So we'll take this loaf and we will respectfully uh, put it here and break it. And I'll come back and talk about Jesus as the bread of life towards the end of this sermon. 
But right now, what I want to talk about is the Greek word for daily. This is going to get a little nerdy. We're going to look at the original language, the Greek language, and look at this word epiusion. So we will definitely be doing a nerd alert. This is a best time to give your best alert sounds. <laughs> I feel like we're getting worse at this. It's Maybe we'll drop it. We'll see what happens next time. So your nerd alert for today is this word epiusion, which means daily, daily bread. The word for bread there is just a loaf of bread. We all know what that is. But what is this daily thing? It's actually quite confusing. We don't know what this word means in the Greek. And you're like, what? How can we not know what the word means? Can we just ask Siri what this Greek word means? And she would tell us, well, what she would tell us is that this word does not appear. There's lots of articles in 2,000 years of history of studying this word that we don't know exactly what it means. How could we not know that? Well, it's only used a couple places in the ancient world. We only have a couple examples of where this word was used. One is like a tiny little fragment. One is Matthew here that we just read. And one is Luke the, the, in the Lord prayer. And so we don't really know this epiusion word for daily. And I went to seminary. In fact, my very first class ever in seminary was Greek. I took three semesters of Greek in the summertime. It was an intensive, like nine to five, all summer long. It was awesome. I thought Greek. When I was eating, I was studying Greek. Uh, when I was sleeping, I was dreaming about Greek. And it was wonderful. At the end of that class, having all this knowledge, I turned into a Greek arrogant brat. <laughs> I did. Like the pat, I would be in church and the pastor would say something, this Greek word, blah, blah, blah. And I would turn to my neighbor, shh, shh, you know that actually this word here is a Greek and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, who are you? Shut up. I'm trying to listen to the sermon. Or I would, I would literally do this at the young adults, uh, small groups. I would show up to a Bible study with my Greek New Testament and just kind of proudly flaunting it around. Like I was so into, I was that guy, I'm sure, that at like a party, someone would say, oh, Joe, he's come. He's a really great guy, but do not get him talking about Greek. He will talk your ear off. He won't let you go to the bathroom. He just won't let you leave. He will just keep talking at you until he's done. Like that was me. I was so into Greek. And so I used to like show up at Bible studies and correct the translators. Like here's, here's the translators, like PhDs, having spent years and years, a lifetime looking at the original languages, translating it into modern English. And here I was, well, actually, this word could be the, a better way to translate it would be. So I'm not going to do that right now. The word daily, epiusion, is a great translation for this word. But let me give you three uh, subtleties to this word in all the 2,000 years of research and what this word means. The first one is this, that it could have a hearkening to uh, an eschatological future bread, meaning that give us today, like tomorrow's bread. Give us today, tomorrow, meaning like in the end, like uh, the heaven is often seen as like this feast and there's bread there. Give us this day that bread, tomorrow's bread, which is a really beautiful way of thinking about praying that prayer. Another idea here is probably what you're familiar with, which is give us today provision. Give us today, Eugene Peterson in his uh, message translation of the Bible, uh, coming from the Greek and the Hebrew, he translates the Greek word epiusion into three square meals. Give us this day 
what we need, our provision, what we need to survive. It could be translated literally as give us our super essential, give us our super substantial food for this day. That's, that's kind of the second idea. The third kind of idea is this could be referring to a, a limited amount. Give us this day just enough for this day. Don't give us too much. Don't, we, we, we just need enough for this day. And tomorrow, we will ask just for enough to survive tomorrow. And keep us, Lord, in this relationship with you, leaning on you for our portion and our provision. Either way, the word daily is a great translation. I'm not going to correct the translators with my one summer of Greek. <laughs> So continuing on, this meal, this dependence, waiting upon our creator for his life. Let me tell you a quick story. This story is like last year. We were all there, right? Remember last year? What a great year, right? <laughs> Think about like this time last year. It was just a couple months before this time last year. Um, it started with, and we all look back now, and we can all laugh about this now, but what was the deal with the toilet paper stuff, Right? <laughs> Like, like people were scared they were going to run out of toilet paper. So we all went out and we got it. And then people really did run out because some of us had it and some of us didn't. That's a scary thing to be out of toilet paper, right? I would go on and on about this, but it's, it's Mother's Day. We'll clean it up. We won't have bathroom humor right now. So this whole thing, like the toilet paper somehow then led into food. Remember that? Like going to the grocery store and needing something and not being able to find it. Does any, anyone else be, remember being, I mean, we can look back now and it's, it's all funny. Aha, the toilet paper, aha, the, you know, the stuff. But at the time, like I was there, maybe I'll just speak for myself. Like I was nervous. Like there was things we were running out of. The grocery store was completely out. We have four boys. Like, okay, in my own head, I look back and laugh now, but in my own head, I'm like, okay, we run out of cereal. Okay, we got oatmeal. Okay, we run out of oatmeal. And then like, okay, what if, you know, there, there's, we have, we can't buy it. And what if, okay, we have cans of corn. And the idea of like, okay, cans of corn for breakfast. Okay. But then it's like the fear of like, okay, well, Couple, a couple more weeks, days. Like what happens when we, when we run out? What happens when neighbors come and they're hinting that they're out of food? Well, as a Christian, we, we give. You're gonna starve, I'm gonna starve together. We're in this, that, that's, that's the Christian life. We're gonna share. And so like what, and there was fear. I would wake up in the morning, Lord, would you provide? You are providing. We have food now, but, but Lord, would you provide? I'm nervous. Go to sleep thinking, Lord, what's gonna happen? Lord, would you provide? Wake up in the morning singing songs of, uh, I remember singing uh, and worshiping to uh, Psalm 40, this, this song, Don't Be Afraid, that John Egan wrote. He's at New Life North. And just being like, Lord, I, I'm going to get closer to you now and, and pray for provision because I don't know what's going to happen next. I was in that boat. Maybe many of you just a year and, and a couple months were in that boat. And now I look back and part of it's funny, but part of it is, man, that was actually a stretch of time where I was depending upon the Lord and waking up, asking for the Lord's provision, going to sleep thinking, Lord, would you provide? I don't know what's next, but the Lord became very near. I look back at the, that season and I think, 
And that was, it was a hard time, but it was a very holy time of getting close to the Lord. And it, this may sound weird to say, but I'm now thankful for it, looking back and praying for provision in a daily way. I wanna encourage you, some of you might be like, yeah, that was all funny last year, but maybe something's going on now in your life where you're at a need, you, you have needs. Maybe it's a loss of a job or a situation. Maybe you, 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 you are in a place where you're in need and the Lord encourages us that, that he is with those who are suffering. He is with those that are in need, whether it be medical or food or any kind of provision. The Lord is close to those. And so the, the next point we'll, we'll get to here in a minute, I'll, I'll share and encourage you further about the idea of the Lord being near to those who are waiting upon him. But I wanna say just it's kind of like a, just to, to encourage us and as an announcement, we have food uh, downstairs. Like we have grocery bags of food to give out. It was part of our Manitou mobile ministry that we did uh, during uh, the, 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 the COVID thing when there, people were really locked down. We were delivering some of our volunteers. Carl Backstrom, his wife, were getting volunteers and delivering food to people who couldn't get out or were afraid to get out delivering groceries to them. And so we have still to this day lots of the non-perishable groceries downstairs. And if, so if anyone in here is like, wow, that, that's, that would be great, um, you know, go downstairs, receive. If anyone in here knows of someone who is like, well, I know of someone who's, you know, they kind of joke about eating only ramen, but I think that's, that's a real thing. That's where they're at. They're struggling right now. Go to, we have provisions, New Life. That's one of the things we do as a church is these pantries. We partner with the Manitou Springs Pantry. Laura lies over there. She shops every week, brings food to the, the Manitou Springs Pantry. And, and so the, the Lord is, he is the one who provides I just think about um, not having, and I think about some of those days at the pantry in Manitou uh, that we partner with at uh, St. Andrews in downtown Manitou, wondering like, is there, there's gonna be people lined up to, to want food and is there going to be enough? And there always was. The Lord is a provider, let's praise him. Point number two is this, um, kind of our role in this is God wants us to trust him for our daily bread. God wants us to trust him for our daily bread. Jesus teaches us what to ask for. He, he, he says, when you pray, ask me, ask the father. And here's what you can ask for. Ask for a daily bread, a daily provision. Not too much is kind of this uh, idea that is within this daily word, epiusion. I think contentment is seen as a bad word in our society. Like outside, outside of the church, if someone says, I'm content, uh, the world around us would say, what do you mean? Like, don't you have hopes and dreams and visions to get more stuff and get a bigger house? And aren't you care about that promotion? Why don't you want to work harder and get more and more? I know you're in credit card debt, but get that down a little bit so you can get even more credit card debt, so you can get even more stuff, so you can oppress people you don't even care about. You got to get more. Like, don't be content. Our world says contentment is a bad word, but if you do a Bible study on the word contentment, it'd be a great thing to do this week if you don't believe me, you will see that it's used in a good way. It's used in a proverbial sense that contentment is actually a good thing. And sometimes you would say, well, you should you be content with where you're at if you're in sin. No, you shouldn't be content with sin, but contentment in life and for what the Lord has given you is actually a good thing. It's a proverbial wisdom to be content. Side note, uh, this summer, later after this series on the Lord's Prayer, we're gonna do a series on the book of Proverbs. Uh, that's a side note. But this idea of contentment that we see throughout the New Testament and old 
is a good thing. It's, it's these times of uh, having plenty. It's these times of luxury and prosperity that can be, listen closely to what I'm saying right now, it can be a dangerous time in a Christian's life. Because why? Well, we get, we get too self-sufficient. We get too self-reliant. We get too self-contained. Let me tell you a story. Um, there's another pastor in town, not Manitou, but Colorado Springs. And uh, I was talking with him. This is a little while ago, a couple, maybe a couple of years ago. And he told me a story that really it stuck with me for a long time. He said that uh, a couple, a long time ago, like in the 80s, uh, migrated here from the Middle East. They were fleeing uh, persecution. They were Christians and they ended up at Colorado Springs. They ended up at his church and they've been in his church. And so he was just telling me they, they came here a long time ago because of some things, some unrest, and they had a history of being Christian. Like their parents were Christians, their grandparents were Christians. In the Middle East, this family had a long life. He's telling me that since the Middle Ages, they can track their family lineage of Christianity, even though they're in the Middle East. And continually, they had stories of like brothers and sisters in the in their family genealogy that had either been murdered or tortured or their house had been burnt down because they were a believing, a Christian Jesus-believing family in a dangerous part of the world with the rise of Islam. And so they came here in the 80s and uh, they got, uh, got away from persecution. Everything was going great. Uh, he was very prosperous in his job. Uh, the, the mom was too. They had kids. Uh, they raised them well. They were living the American dream and prospering. And then one by one, as their kids got older, each and every one of them stopped believing in Jesus. And they, they laid aside their, their belief and the, the history of their families, uh, the genealogy of Christians coming from persecution, and each and every one of them no longer believes. And they have, they have grandkids now, and none of them believe. They even have great-grandkids, and none of them are being raised in a Christian home. And he was just beside himself. Like, how is it that the history, the genealogy of our family through persecution, through their houses getting burnt down, through their, their churches getting smashed, how is it that they could remain Christians? They get to a place where everything's great. It's, you're free to be a Christian. You're free to do whatever. We're prosperous. How is it you get to this moment and in one generation, no more believers to carry on this? How is that? What is this? Well, sometimes, uh, hear what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying always. I'm saying sometimes it is very dangerous in a Christian's life for a time of prosperity. It's not a sin to, to have. It's not a sin to be prosperous. It's not a sin at all to be rich. Lots of rich people in the Bible. What I'm saying is it's what do you do with that? It's not, the, it's not money is the root of all evil. Have you heard that? It's the love of money that is the root of all evil is what Jesus says not money. It's the, the love of, it's the greed. It's the more, it's the, so when we pray this prayer, here's, here's what I'm, I gave you that story just to say this one thing right now. So listen carefully. When we pray the prayer, our father, it's, it's plural, our father. And then it gets to the sign, give us this day, our daily bread. It's, it's plural. What if, like as we pray this prayer, like New Life Manitou, there's some of us in this room that have plenty. And some of us are praying that prayer, daily bread, and you're thinking about something else. And some of you are praying like, like literally, like, like I don't know what's gonna happen this week or next. You're thinking through like the provision of a daily provision for your life and for your family. What if your, I wrote it down like this, maybe your abundance is someone else's food because we pray this prayer 
together. And I think back to this, I started off talking about moms and Mother's Day and the love of God being like the, the love of a good mother who is nurturing and providing. And I, I think of like a mother, a young mother, a first time mom taking care of like a newborn baby, like with her own body, providing food for this child. And it's, it's in love. And it's, it's uh, this thing where it's like an hourly provision of food for this little child and the time they spend together. And I think the Lord loves us like that. Like the Lord is our father who is providing for us in so much love and care. And you might think, well, the the Lord doesn't love me like that. Yes, he does. He loves you and he wants to provide for you. God wants us to trust him for our daily bread. That's point number two. The last point is this. Jesus is the bread of life. Point three, we're wrapping it up now. Jesus is the bread of life. That, that point comes straight out of scripture. Jesus himself says that about himself. He says, I am the bread of life. Do you remember that story appears? I'll tell you the story. It's in John chapter six. Jesus is teaching near the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They call it a sea, but it's just, if you're from Minnesota, like my wife is, you would just call it a small pond. But that's the Sea of Galilee in that part of the world because it's big for that part of the world. It's big for Colorado. They're around the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. I've been to the places where Jesus traveled. And can you imagine, I can, 5,000 people following this man who is teaching unusual things. He's claiming to be God. And so people are like, I want to hear more. 5,000 people are following him around. And, and Jesus, at one point, the day is getting long. People haven't eaten anything. Jesus turns to his disciples and said, uh, would you feed them lunch? Would you give them food? And the disciples are like beside them. So Peter literally says, that would be more than half a year's wage. Like, how would we feed 5,000 people? Like, can you imagine if I tasked one of you, like, hey, would you feed like 5,000 people? Like, that's about the population of Manatee Springs. Would you feed everybody like real quick? And you're like, I don't know what to do. Call Subway. I'd like to place an order for um, <clears throat> Uh, mm, uh, 5,000 foot longs. <laughs> They're like, what? They hang up the phone. I like, well, maybe I'll break it up. I'll call five different subways, call another subway. Hey, I'd like to place an order for um, mm, uh, mm, a thousand foot longs. They're just like, are you kidding me? Like, how do you provide that much food? The, the, Peter, the disciples looked at Jesus like he was crazy. This would be more than a half a year's wage. And Jesus says, have everyone sit down. And there's this moment of faith, there's baskets. And can you imagine a basket getting passed? And you see it and you're like, you see it getting passed. And you're like, well, that's gotta be the last one. No, they gotta, that end of the basket. And it comes to you. And with like, can you imagine like the tears, like you're hungry and you're waiting for food and the, there's, there's bread in the basket. You pull it out and you pass it and there's, you just watch this. Can you imagine being there at that scene? And so 5,000 people witnessed that. Wow. And so what happens next is Jesus goes across the Sea of Galilee. Does anyone know how he gets across? He walks on water. Yep, that's that same story. So he walks on water, gets across, and somehow like this crowd of people uh, ends up on the other side trying to find him. They find him. They say, Jesus, how did you get over here? He doesn't even answer that question. He gets right to the heart of the issue and he says, you're trying to find me because I fed you 
and, and you're hungry now. You're, you're just here for the food. And Jesus goes into this analogy and says, uh, if you eat this, the bread, you're looking for bread. You're just looking for lunch. If you look for that, you're going to be hungry again and again and again. But Jesus declares this in John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Think about that. He's, he's talking on a whole nother level about life, the provision of life that Jesus offers. He goes into this uh, talking about manna, which is the bread that came from heaven in the book of Exodus. You know the story. Uh, the, the slaves from Israel, slaves from Egypt leave. There's the plagues and the frogs and the blood and stuff. And then they go out. They see the Red Sea. It splits. They go through. Now they're in the desert. And then the real fun begins because everyone gets sarcastic. Everyone's really hungry. There's no food in the desert. And they say things to Moses, their leader, like, what have you done? Have you brought us out in the wilderness to die? Like we were better off in Egypt. No, you weren't. You were slaves and bound to the like crushing thumb of Pharaoh. You were starving there and God is going to provide. Don't you remember the plagues? Don't you remember the Red Sea? And so what begins to happen is every day people would wake up and there was stuff on the ground, manna, bread from heaven, these flakes. I mean, it must have been the most bizarre thing. Flakes that were sweet, like the original frosted flakes on the ground every day. And the Lord provided, like what a weird, awesome miracle. They had no idea what it was. In fact, the word manna, you know what it means? It means, what is this? Like they called it, like, what is this? I don't know. Have you had a what is this yet? Have you collected your what is it yet? And so they would collect this stuff. And if you collected too much, you're like, oh, I, I know what I'll do. I'll collect like a month's worth of this stuff just in case it stops falling from heaven. I'll collect like two months of this stuff. And what would happen to it? It would instantly rot, like overnight maggots and it would stink. And I'm sure it's, everyone was like, What's that? So who's collecting too much? We're not supposed to collect too much. We were given specific instructions to just get what you needed for that day. And the next day you got what you needed for that day. And so on, like we would have just enough trust, just enough provision, so much trust, I should say, for the provision and trusting in the Lord for just enough bread for that day. So it is like Jesus trusting in him daily that he is the bread of life. So in a moment, we're going to, to come to the table. I wanna invite you to, to bow your heads, to pray that the band can come up now. They're gonna sing a song about great is thy faithfulness. But would you stop and just um, bow your head? Consider being spiritually hungry. Consider desiring food that is, that is the food that Jesus gives. There's a dimension where the physical meets um, the spiritual, where heaven and earth combine. And, and for whatever reason, this, these spiritual and earthly dimensions often meet at something called bread. Jesus takes bread. He prays like I'm praying now. And he, he breaks the bread and gives it to his disciples. And so, Jesus, we, we receive this bread from you. We thank you, Jesus, that you say you're the bread of life. You promise to us that if we receive this bread, then somehow we'll, we'll never eat, be hungry again because you're inside of us. 
And clearly, Lord, you're talking about something much, much bigger than, than a loaf of, of bread, but you're talking about true life and truth that enters into us. Your love, your provision inside of us for, the, for our lives, for your life inside of us. So Lord, we pause now. We praise you. We come to your table, Lord, all of us needing your food, your provision in our life. So we pray this in your name.